On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I had the pleasure of chatting with Aaron Zaga from Newton, formerly known as Newton Baby. We had such a good conversation. We talked all about their product, how they grew. We talked about how he spent a lot of money on an agency for nine to 12 months uh, without any results, but that was the promise that they gave him and it ended up paying off uh, in the long run. We talked about where marketing is shifting and where it's shifted for them in 2022. Really great conversation. Uh, one that you guys are definitely not going to want to miss. If you are a mid seven figure brand and above, listen up. Are you struggling with ads this year? Uh, How about growth in general? What about profitability? Supply chain issues got you down? You are not alone. As a brand owner myself, I totally get this. iOS 14 has ravaged many smaller brands. The good news, our clients at Upgrowth and the brands that we own have not been touched. Don't get me wrong. We had to fight to figure out how to advertise effectively in a post-surveillance ad world, but we learned some incredible lessons along the way, and we want to share some of those lessons with you. So go to www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow to apply for a free growth plan today so we can show you what is working in a post iOS 14.5 world. Again, that is www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow. Now on to today's episode. Hey guys, are you trying to continuously optimize your website and still you suffer from a poor conversion rate? Do most of the visitors on your website just drop off without actually viewing a single product and you've got zero clue why? And did you know that the average conversion rate in brick and mortar is actually 30%? Imagine having a 30% conversion rate on your website. Sounds like a dream, right? That's because your website is missing the biggest driver of conversion that brick and mortar stores have. And that's a sales associate. Rep is a company that has developed the world's first ever AI-powered sales associate and is bringing the store associate online for e-com brands. It is a sales-focused chatbot that uses AI to automatically identify and approach disengaged customers with a contextual and personalized conversation to upgrade your customer experience and increase your sales. Just like in brick and mortar, it recommends products, answers product-related questions, and even upsells. So go to hellorep.ai slash upgrowth and get a two-week free trial and a special offer just for our listeners. 50% off your first 12 months. You are not going to want to miss this one. Now on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today, I am joined by Aaron Zaga from Newton. Aaron, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes, absolutely. We're, uh, anytime I talk to somebody in Florida, we're basically about as far away as you can be in North America from each other. So uh, it's great to, you know, these connections still work in 2022. I'm still able to talk to people uh, all the way down in Miami. So it's, it's great to, to have this conversation. Uh, Aaron, for people who don't know anything about you or anything about Newton, tell us a little bit about who you are and then what you guys do. Yeah, so my background is kind of a mumbo jumbo of finance, startups, and e-commerce. Starting more on the finance side, migrating to startups, and then ending up in e-commerce, kind of a circuitous route to becoming Newton's CMO. I've been in e-commerce for a little over 10 years now, I guess. Wow. Knew the founder of Newton, uh, actually, when we were both working in kind of different businesses. I had interviewed for him, turned down his offer, but we, we kept in touch. And uh, 10 years later, ended up with our interests kind of aligning and a great opportunity for me at Newton. And so I joined as the CMO about four and a half years ago now. 
Cool, cool. That's great. So tell us a little bit about what you guys do, yeah. what kind of products you guys have, what the kind of growth trajectory of the company has been. Yeah, so Newton was launched about a little over seven years ago now to commercialize a really innovative new kind of crib mattress. So mattress for babies. Um, it's made with this really unique material that's not found in any other mattress. It looks like ramen noodles before you submerge them into water. We call it woven. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's really kind of cool and funky and very different. There's two core differentiators to this product and this material specifically. One is that because of the woven nature of it, you can breathe right through it, which is obviously a huge deal for babies and suffocation. Suffocation is one of the leading cause of deaths of babies. So it, it allows this mattress to be completely breathable. Babies can wow. literally breathe right through the mattress if they turn over. And the second cool thing, um, it's made from the same material as a yogurt cup. So it's completely washable. The core of the mattress is washable, which is shocking given that babies are gross and diapers leak. And why aren't all mattresses washable? Most people make them waterproof, which makes them not at all breathable, but ours is breathable and washable. So it's kind of the best of, of all worlds. And that was seven years ago. Over the course of seven years, we went from kind of zero to the leading higher end crib mattress. And yeah, we're mostly D2C with some Amazon and a little Bye Bye Baby thrown in. Cool, cool. Nice, nice. I've been trying to get a hold of those guys for a while. Yeah. I'm also actually, Aaron, I didn't even mention to you before, one of the companies that I own is also in that baby space. So huh. very, very familiar with your space on the apparel side. So. Oh, yeah. The most exciting thing I should, I'd be remiss to not add, uh, we just recently launched products both for kids. So a twin size mattress for kids as they grow out of the crib. Same material. It's the first washable cool. kids mattress on the market. You can wash the core again, just hose off the whole thing in the backyard. And then pet beds also. Pets don't like hot, sweaty surfaces. So memory foam, which is in most pet beds, is hot and sweaty. And we use the same core material in our pet beds, which again, kind of shocking that most good pet beds aren't washable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, those are three, three categories of, you know, humans and pets that are all, all very much can be gross. Uh, I've got all levels of those at my house, same, um, except for the pet side. So yes, being washable is just like, of course, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. so Aaron, let's, let's talk. We're, you know, recording this in uh, June of 2022. 2022 has been brutal for a lot of brands, right? It's been a very difficult year having to make some pivots. You know, we were 2021 was interesting uh, at the same time. So I'm assuming, you know, you guys are still killing it on uh, just on Facebook. Is that what's, what's working for you right now or? Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> ironically, Facebook was fine for us until very recently, you know, the iOS change, we didn't really see any impact whatsoever. Whatsoever. And again, it, it depends what kind of brand you are, how you measure thing, your average time to conversion. But because we are a longer funnel and a more considered purchase, we were never in there optimizing ads every five minutes. So it really didn't make such a big difference that we lost some of that visibility. You know, someone seeing a Facebook ad was still just as likely to buy as before and after the iOS changes. So we didn't see any, any real hits to Facebook until we lost some of the targeting and specifically some of the baby and maternity and pregnancy interests Facebook started doing away with only yeah. recently in the past, you know, three, four months. And that yeah. started reducing our reach and making the targeting a little less efficient. So we have been pivoting away, of course, like everyone else. Yeah. So let's let's talk about what the, what that pivot looks like, because, you know, a company of your you know size and reach out there and just the target that you're in, where do you move? Where makes sense to start spreading out some of those dollars? And, you know, for you as a CMO, what kind of decisions are you making when it comes to that budget? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the, the real role of a CMO is allocation of capital. It's kind of the role of anyone in management, right? Figuring out where you best position to spend money to get the highest return on that money. It's tough 
stuff as we lose visibility because that decision gets a little more art and a little less science. But, you know, we've always had limited visibility on some of the view through channels, the impression based channels like, you know, uh, Snapchat or Facebook for that matter. Yeah. YouTube, all of these, right? Yeah. There's so many. So TikTok (laughs) now it's like zero visibility. Ironically, the TikTok (laughs) visibility is getting a little bit better. They just added the more pixel tracking or whatever else. But but um, that's right. That's right. They they just added that. Yeah, they're they're moving in the right direction while everyone else isn't, and which is why everyone's shifting spend to them. That's one of the reasons. Yeah. But yeah, so I was bored during the pandemic and I found and fell in love with TikTok two years ago now. And so we were early adopters and so early that our category got banned before like we even before our reps even knew about it. So for a while we were advertising (laughs) on TikTok, saw good results. Then they banned the whole baby category. Yep. Right as they asked us to be a case study for them. So then... Yeah. Oh, yeah. The reps The reps had... Well, we're in the exact same position, Aaron, where it was like the reps are like, oh, you guys are going to absolutely kill. And then we go and they keep getting denied. And we're like, what are you talking about? They're like, oh, yeah, it's a banned category now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's been frustrating to say the least, but I, I love the channel so much, so I haven't given up on it. And it's it's been paying off. You know, obviously there's CPM arbitrage. And so you asked one of the things we look at, CPM. I mean, at the end of the day, oftentimes an impression is an impression. That's not always the case. And it really depends on your product and your category and a lot of other things. But, you know, a video ad on Facebook is just the exact same as a video ad on Instagram. You're not any more likely to buy it because you saw it on Instagram versus Facebook. And so you want to go where the CPMs are cheapest, provided that they're, they have the user's attention to the same degree. TikTok's... I, I would almost argue... Sorry, if I could just step in there for a sec. I, I would actually argue a little bit to that point that, yes, Facebook and Instagram, I believe this, those CPMs are, are similar. But I would actually say that the CPMs on YouTube and... TikTok are actually better CPMs. They're better impressions because sound is generally on on those, right? If you're using sound as you know part of your ad, yeah, um, or sound signatures. So fair. that that's my only. I just wanted to step in there and just as I was thinking about what you were saying. So that's totally fair. A lot of what we used to do and and worked better for us, especially on Facebook and Instagram, was static and static mm. outperform video. Then last year that flips, but now it's actually flipped back to static. So video, you're totally right, spot on. But for static, it doesn't really make a difference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Where were we here, Aaron? What what, what path before I, I rudely interrupted you? Migrating dollars <laughs> to TikTok, what's working for us. Influencer has always been one of our other biggest channels. It's really what scaled us as a brand. We do it very differently than I think most people do. Same as SEO, which we'll talk about more later. But the way we've done Influencer is very much run it as a performance channel, which almost no one does because it's so hard to track. But if you track it every way you can, and there's four ways you can kind of track it, you can kind of start figuring out which influencers are and aren't worth it. Yeah. Building up that database of which influencers actually drive revenue has been really our competitive advantage. And so mm. it was kind of the same thing where for a while last year, influencer rates got so out of control that it was hard to find influencers who provided positive ROI. That's also started to change back a little bit again. And our past few months have been some of our highest ROAS for influencer in a while. And how are you tracking that, Aaron? What does that look like? So we, we like I said, we track it every different way we possibly can. So every influencer has a unique link. We do mostly stories, um, although now pretty much everything can have a link somewhere or other. So we, of course, track link clicks. That's easy. We give each one an individualized code, also easy. We have a sign up on our page that like a a sign up form. So when someone comes to our form, they'll sign up. That sign up is customized to the link that the person came from. 
So if they click through from a link, then not only do we have the click, we also have the email signup. And then we track purchases that came from those signups and attribute them back to the in- original influencer. And then the yeah. last and perhaps most important these days is the how did you hear post-purchase survey? We actually do it in purchase, but it's shocking how many people want to give credit to the person that turned them on to the product. So we just have, mm. you know, it was one of the choices, you know, Facebook ad, Google ad, whatever. And then one is someone I follow and then a fill in the blank. And people always fill in the blank of which influencer brought them to the product. So you kind of take all of that put together and sort of kind of figure out which influencers actually are worth the, the cost. This month's sponsor is Rep AI. Rep is the world's first ever AI-powered sales associate for e-commerce website. It's a sales-focused chatbot that uses AI to automatically identify and approach disengaged customers with a contextual and personalized conversation to upgrade customers' experience and increase sales. Just like in brick and mortar, it recommends products, answers product-related questions, and even upsells. So hit hellorep.ai slash upgrowth and get a two-week free trial plus 50% off for your first 12 months. Now back to today's episode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that. Well, hey, let's uh, let's get into SEO. I'd love to hear about what your strategy is when it comes to SEO, timelines, all of that kind of stuff. I feel like a lot of brands are wanting to invest in channels, but they're so used to the, you know, dollar in, two dollars out, the, the slot machine that was Facebook and Instagram for the last, you know, four or five years. Yeah. SEO isn't that, <laughs> is it? No, I, and it's, it's funny because especially it depends how long you've been in the e-commerce business, but every- Everyone used to think SEO is free, right? Everyone's like, oh, SEO is free. And it's it's such an yeah. interesting thing because it's easy to write a blog post. And yes, it's easy to write a blog post, but that blog post in this day and age will do absolutely nothing for you and no one will ever find it. Unless yeah. you do it very scientifically and you really research it and then you write the blog post to best practices, make sure the content is useful enough to keep someone on the page. Like it used to be that if you had a bunch of keywords in a blog post and there weren't a bunch of other pages that had those keywords, you get traffic. That is not the case anymore whatsoever. So I didn't know the other side and how long this would take. And we kind of did the typical, you know, write it and pray for the first year or two that I was at Newton. And then and we did best practices and we made sure our blog posts were the right length and full of keywords and semi-useful content. And we even got a couple of backlinks and all that. And, uh, you know, especially everyone thinks backlinks are everything. That's also far from the case. Until I met an agency that was very scrappy and super smart and just shockingly honest. And they were like, hire us and I guarantee you will see nothing for 12 months. And I was like, wait, what What a great sales pitch. I was like, what? He's like, you will see no traffic or no return on this for 12 months. But if you're interested after 12 months, I guarantee you'll start seeing a curve that will be exponential. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And then I talked to a couple of their other clients. I always do, you know, clients reference checks and all of the other clients said, yeah, that's exactly what happened for us. You know, we're 10 months in, we're 15 months in, and we saw very little for the first six, 10, 12 months, but now it's it's crushing it for us. And the agency, you know, besides being shockingly candid and honest, approaches SEO totally differently than anyone else I've, I've spoken to. And it's the way that I like to approach everything, which if you've ever taken a competitive strategy class, you work backwards. So you think about your outcome, 
you think about how exactly you attain that outcome and you kind of work backwards piece by piece. So for us, like what's our goal of SEO? Well, it's getting traffic, but not just traffic. It's traffic that might actually buy our product at some point in time. Some kind of qualified traffic. Exactly. It has to be qualified traffic. And lots of people write blog posts about shit that isn't related to their product and they get lots of traffic, but it's not helping them at all. So (laughs) we wanted to make sure the traffic... It may actually be costing them if they're running retargeting based on on that, right? Absolutely. And then they have all this traffic and maybe they'll build some lookalikes off of it and build customer lists and they get onto their email list. It's like unqualified traffic is not good traffic. Terrible. Yeah, it, it definitely costs. That's, I mean, that's a great point that no one thinks about. So what we did is we kind of work together. We do a, a collab session. We look at products and keywords that might be sort of related. Then they go do a bunch of research. And this is the key part. They see which terms we might possibly rank for. And they're very candid. Like, you know, we're never going to rank for SIDS, for example. Only yeah. medical sites are going to rank for SIDS. And that's the way it should be. That's great. Google's awesome sometimes. We should not yeah. be ranking for anything about a medical condition. So yeah. we figure out what terms we could rank for. Then we kind of collaborate on topics that might be related. Then we see the volume of those traffic, see of that potential traffic if we get to page one and, and really work backwards and see if it's even worth it to write an article and then go about trying to get back. On. So it's, yeah. it's very much a backwards process that true to their word, didn't do anything for us for seven or eight months. And then slowly but surely, you know, one of the 35 articles that we had written by that point started moving up the ranks to the point where now we're, I guess, two years in with them and organic and our blog specifically is our number two or three traffic source. Wow. It took two years and a lot of fees. I mean, you know, I don't think we broke even on their monthly fees until at least a year and a half in. Yeah. So you got to wow. be willing to make that investment and not see returns. <laughs> and they were super candid with you super about that, candid. Aaron. So. I, I love any agency that tells me, like, I'm not going to see a return. <laughs> like, I love that. <laughs> Amazing. Best vendors ever. All you agency people out there, uh, if you're listening to this, uh, take note from what Aaron said. I got to be honest with you. I just had, uh, with one of our brands that, that we own, we were doing, um, I talked to 13 different Amazon agencies and just did a podcast episode about that. So this, this one will probably come out after that. So guys, if you want to hear what I have to say after talking to 13 Amazon specific agencies, it was really interesting. And people who are super candid were at the top of my list, right? Because I just was like, oh, good, I can trust you, right? Like, yeah, it's massive. Aaron, I got to ask you the question that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? So I can answer that so many different ways. There are a couple of things I think that have been really core to our success scaling, especially we were really bootstrapped. We never took outside money. So everything I did had to be super profitable. And, you know, my mandate was always grow as fast as you can while holding raw is crazy high to make sure that we break even. And so I did a couple things. One of the core things is outsourcing everything humanly possible because I didn't have the budget to hire in-house super Jedi expert people. And so we used agencies for everything. And I really made sure to structure those agency contracts to align incentives. So, you know, if the agency was promising me something like break even in 12 months, I would make sure that their fees were tied to that. Mm. And if they weren't willing to do that, then they don't have enough faith in themselves to, to work. Yeah. So one of the crazy things I did on both paid search and paid social was I offered the agency to pay them not a percent of spend, that's a horrible misalignment of incentives, but I offered to pay them a percent of revenue provided they hit my ROAS minimums, okay. which was basically my mandate. Like my mandate for my boss was scale 
as fast as you can while holding, you know, to a minimum ROAS. And so that's exactly what I told the agency. And to their credit, they did a crazy good job. We ended up paying them three times more. We would have paid, you know, a normal agency that wanted 10 to 15% of spend. But I was happy to do it because yeah. they really... Because you were aligned. Totally aligned. They did exactly what we wanted them to do. That You know, they never once went below the minimum ROAS, which, I, you know, no agency has ever done ever that I've worked with before. <laughs> And, you know, blame something, oh, it was Google's fault, they did something or whatever, but they, they nailed it. And so I was happy to pay more. And it really helped us scale because I had no fixed costs. It was all just variable and based on performance. Yeah, love that. Especially as a business owner, I love thinking about that on your profit and loss statement too, right? That like all of it is scalable together rather than being these fixed costs. But the very first business that I ever owned was a burrito shop. And nice. I remember, you know, we were doing like, 30,000 a month in sales or something. And our rent was 7,000. It was like, well, we're never going to, we, that is that one fixed cost. And so that, that was, you know, when I was like 22 or 23 years old. And I remember thinking, I always have to keep those fixed costs down as far as possible and have everything else variable with revenue. So yes, I love that Aaron. Thanks so much. Yeah. Aaron, I got three more questions for you. I hope that you are ready. I, I think I'm ready. We'll see, I guess. <laughs> first question, favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Yeah, I got I have two of them. Helium 10 is an insanely awesome Amazon tool, app, whatever you want to call it. Yes. I actually use the free version. Sorry, Helium 10. But it, like you can do so much competitive research with just even the free version that it's fantastic. And with the paid version, you can know everything about every competitor that ever existed on Amazon. So when we're looking at new product development, when we're looking at benchmarking, Helium 10 just an awesome, awesome, powerful tool that you have to use if you're on Amazon Yeah, at a bare minimum. There's other more powerful tools that you may or may not need if you're a giant company, but Helium 10 for sure. And then for multi-touch attribution, I use Rockerbox. I love them. They're small, they're scrappy. People can argue whether or not multi-touch attribution makes sense anymore, especially with the loss of some tracking, but so much of what we do is still very trackable. They've been completely indispensable in our success. And I'm just happy to jump on a phone, tell us what's working for other clients, which channels are showing promise, an incredible partner and priced at like less than half of the big industry multi-touch attribution tools. So they're fantastic. Cool. And, and by the way, I, I should have given the SEO agency that we use and love a shout out. It's new standard digital for SEO. They're awesome. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. We'll make sure to throw that in the show notes as well, because uh, I'm sure people will be interested in that after your recommendation. Second question for you, favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? Podcast. I'm a big fan of Scott Galloway's and I love his... That's and, a hit, the history one? Uh, no, he does a couple different podcasts. He does Prof G on his own, but he does Pivot with Kara Swisher. And so that's one of my regular podcasts. I like Sam Harris cool. a lot when you want to talk philosophy and then all the rest are geeky finance things. Cool, cool. I love Sam Harris too. Yeah. Great. Just so thought provoking and like good stuff to chew on. Totally, totally. Very worthwhile to get to pay for waking up mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Just one of those apps I go to every single day. Last question for Aaron. If you could sit down with anybody, you get an hour with them. They have to be alive. It can't be Elon Musk. Who would it be? It would definitely not be Elon Musk. And the alive kind of throws me for a loop. It's it's rare that we do these alive ones. Wow, good question. I'd actually go Bezos over Musk for sure. Why Bezos? I mean, I, I think Amazon's just like the most incredible, incredible company in terms of 
what's, you know, anything that's completely changed and been innovative and very different and so dominant. And I'd, I'd really kind of love to hear from Bezos the inner workings of the evolution of that company. You know, how much was just completely fortuitous chance? How much was completely mapped out? I think that the inner workings of his strategy would be fascinating to learn, especially given our business. Yeah, yeah. Aaron, thanks so much for your time today. Uh, this is a super fun conversation. Where can people connect with you and then connect with Newton as well? LinkedIn is always the best way to get me, just straight up LinkedIn and newtonbaby.com. Awesome. I'm sure LinkedIn is where we connected. Guys, I talk about for you, if you were business owners, C-level execs, any of those kind of people, you got to be on LinkedIn. I mean, you cannot and then potentially lose your job one day and not, or your business and not know where to go. But I can just say from personal experience that uh, LinkedIn is phenomenal. We were potentially going to fundraise at one of our companies recently and just wanted to put it out there. So just wrote a quick post and within an hour, I had 17 people willing to invest. And those are real people. People, you know, like LinkedIn, you're not going to get that on Facebook or Twitter or those kinds of places. So put the time in. It's so worthwhile if you're going to be on one social platform. Aaron, again, thank you so much. My pleasure. Hey, guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.